0: Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love having you on the program, Lee Kaplan. And uh, he's with the firm Smizer, Kaplan, and Vizelka, SKV.com, an attorney. But he's also really well-versed when it comes to all things uh, public policy, really on all levels. Uh, we like to talk about federal, state, county, local, you name it. And uh, he's he's been a great resource for us, for information. Uh, Lee, always glad to have you on the program, something we've mentioned uh, recently for the last several weeks, uh, and I'm sure we'll be talking about more and more as we get into 2023, is your race for mayor. Tell us a little bit about that, what made you decide to run, and how people can get more information about your candidacy.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, I am uh, a longtime Houston resident. I've lived here my entire life except college and law school, And uh, I started a large law firm, but founded a small firm where it was three lawyers and a secretary. We're now 27 lawyers of 50 people total. And we've been successful, I think, by uh, doing what lawyers are supposed to be doing, which is uh, uh, being thorough, detail-oriented, and being honest and honorable and ethical, and we have tried to do that, and I think we've uh, attained a pretty good reputation in this city in the legal community. And, you know, I've lived here a long time, and there are things about the city that I think need to be improved and can be done better. And um, some of the things that have happened, particularly in the last year, only reinforce that feeling that uh, somebody from the private sector who doesn't think – you know being a politician is a lifetime uh a profession uh can do once in a while you need somebody from the private sector to give a fresh look to what we do yeah yeah
0: absolutely uh, all right let's talk about by the way, your website
1: it's called kaplanforhoustonmayor.com
0: kaplanforhoustonmayor.com very easy to remember all right recently uh, i uh I saw an interesting interview I, I shared with you, in fact, about what were the midterms about. And, of course, there's always a lot of things. Uh, but one of the ones they really focused on was about a return to moderation and a return to normalcy and uh, pointing to some interesting congressional races, particularly on the West Coast, uh, that uh, had, Biden had won by as much as 20 points or around 20 points in several of those that went Republican. And uh, which, you know, these these are moderate Republicans, which is on the endangered species list, as you well know. Uh, but to show an upkick in those. And and not surprisingly to me, many of those in California and Oregon, uh and the West Coast were near areas that were held hostage by protest, violent pro protests that uh, you know, progressives chose to do nothing about, making those cities incredibly dangerous. And it really showed up in the, uh, the elections there. And so I thought we'd spend a little bit of time uh, unboxing this election that, frankly, we'll be doing it all the way until the next election to a certain extent because it's so interesting. Um, but talk a little bit about uh, you know, your thoughts about that, your initial impression of uh, that thesis.
1: Well, my feeling is that people have been exhausted by controversies. They were exhausted by Trump, which is why he lost by so many millions of votes this last time. But they're also exhausted by uh people, I guess, running amok, that is, non peaceful protests. You know, most Americans really want things to work right. They want to get along with their neighbors. They'd like their children to have a better future, just the normal kind of stuff. And and Joe Biden represents somebody who, at face value, is a normal guy. He's not a brilliant scholar, um, but he's a normal guy, and I think that's why he was successful. But in these congressional elections, you would have thought everybody was going to pump the brakes on him and nothing, nothing uh, uh, would uh, – help the democrats. So, yes, we're divided, but I think very few of the people who I would call radical were reelected except in the ultra safe districts, the uh, Marjorie Taylor Greens and and some of the more left wing democrats. But the vast majority of people would like the government to work. They would like their entitlements and and they they just want to not pick up the paper every day and see that something terrible has happened and yeah when when you have a group like that, sometimes people just don't vote because they give up, and sometimes they vote because they are tired of what they think as extremism. I think that turnout. Mm-hmm probably was down in this off-year election because so many people were exhausted and didn't feel like voting, and uh you can only rally the base so much. So that's what I think is people just want the government to work right and attend to their needs, and I think there's a feeling that that hadn't always been the case, or it's the case more rarely now than it used to be. So,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a a lot of truth to that, uh, and I think the you know campaign fatigue is is absolutely huge. I don't give much credit to to Biden on the midterms of being as successful as they were uh personally uh I think it's interesting when you look at it historically that uh this was the most successful midterm for an incumbent. Of any president since 1934, and you and I both know he ain't, he ain't, he ain't no uh, FDR. Uh, I think the amount of uh, of insertion that Donald Trump put into the process did so much damage to the GOP and uh, really was a savior for the Democrats, which is why the Democrats are really, uh, uh, I mean, why the Republicans are finally, you know, not all the scandals, all the scandals mattered very little but, but to the Republicans, but, but the electoral failure, forget about it. They're now distancing themselves from, from, uh, from Trump in a way I didn't know we'd ever see.
1: Well, I somewhat agree with you about Biden, but I'm reminded of what Oliver Wendell Holmes said about Franklin Roosevelt a long time ago. A second-rate intellect and a first-class temperament. And I think temperament matters a lot when you're president. Now, did that influence all the voting everywhere? Probably to some modest extent. But I think people are comfortable that our president is a good guy. And that's something they care for. Um, so he didn't lose a bunch of seats for the Democrats. Um, and part of that reason might be that they spread a lot of money around to everybody. I hate to be cynical, but I think that's true. Um, on the other hand, a lot of people just weren't interested enough to vote. Turnout has declined uh, frequently uh, or almost every year if you compare the off-year elections and there wasn't that much to get excited about because um, as much as the media might want to hype some of the outrages of certain politicians most districts are pretty safe districts so there just wasn't much to say Uh, now that politicians can mainly pick their constituents uh, uh, there weren't many seats that turned over except from age there just weren't many changes. The Republicans, uh, as as I would have expected, took the House, but they couldn't get the Senate. So that's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, and they barely got the House. It was it was anemic. The Republican results in these dismissed midterms. I, I think we're anemic, and people go, "What are you talking about? They won. They won again at a margin that uh, that uh, was was the most pathetic for the Republican Party since 1934." And so, I, I'm not I'm not impressed by what the uh, Republican Party has done, you know. And well, now they got kind of a quadrant because the way they behave as a caucus is so outrageous. the House. Behaves as a caucus. You know, they got several people that they could not have uh, a majority in the House. Uh, they come from areas that won't support outrageous agendas when election time comes around. You know, and 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 so uh, I wonder about those uh, seven. I think seven, six or seven from the West Coast that everyone thought were safe seats for, uh, the Democrats that went Republican. I mean, that's basically what the margin is in the House for Republicans. Um, I mean, this party has a lot of social searching to do.
1: Well, I almost feel sorry for Kevin McCarthy. It's not even assured that he'll be elected Speaker unless he bows to the Trump base, which is still a substantial part of the House Republican caucus. I mean... Uh, there are many people on the very conservative side of the Republican uh, House members who are trying to hold him up to get him to agree to different things. And they, they, among other things, don't want to make any budget decisions or funding the government until after they're in charge. And Kevin McCarthy is trying to be a little bit more responsive or responsible by saying we got to fund the government. We can't let the government go bankrupt and they're trying to hold him up on that as well as the speakership. So they made their bed now they're lying in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 quite a quite a mess. Um so do you think that this party is going to at least move towards more reasonable if not more moderate in the way it looks at things?
1: I think they'll have to or Uh, The independent group, uh, which currently is three people caucusing with the Democrats in the Senate, uh, Angus King, Bernie Sanders, and now Kristen Sinema, is going to grow, and it will attract some more Republicans. Um, The Republicans' biggest problem is younger voters are turned off, and I don't know how they're going to fix that. Uh, They've not really gone after the minority vote since uh, uh, George W. Bush made an effort the first time around. Mm -hmm. They haven't really gone after a youth vote except for the most rabid uh, conservative youth. And I just don't don't see what they're going to do uh, to avoid going over the cliff. They know what they should do, but they don't want to. They consider that giving up on their principles. The idea of compromise is just something they can't live with. Uh, Biden yeah. uh, and Pelosi have been better at that, smarter at it, in terms of remaining in power. No question about that. Talk a little bit about you know uh, when you
0: look at uh, the situation. What are some of the, the key takeaways that you say? See, one of the things I like about what you do when you, we we chat is you bring particular perspective to Texas, which of course is the second largest state population wise in the country. It's worth it's worth conversation um well you know and, and how texas was really different from the rest of the country in its voting pattern
1: well one thing that that was noted and this is uh, something that surprised me is that youth turnout in texas fell down and that's despite having a candidate for governor who would you would generally be considered sort of the youth youthful candidate um and I'm not sure of the reason for that um, but we know Beto O'Rourke campaigned hard among young voters, and yet the the eighteen to twenty nine age group in texas uh its participation fell uh so that they were a smaller percentage than in previous elections And that that may be because there's a sense of of what's the use uh Texas has been so conservative and and it has gone even more conservative that a lot of youth may just think uh, may have thought that greg abbott is a shoe-in so what's the point and the legislature isn't going to change so what's the point um but that may have been a problem for democrats this time but i think in the long run it's a problem for republicans
0: yeah i mean how many times has someone run for office and still think he could be a credible candidate. Was this Beto O'Rourke's last run, do you think?
1: Well, I would say it should be, but uh, you never know. I mean, there are people who are darlings of the Democrats for a while, but unsuccessful. Um, Wendy Davis is an example. Beto O'Rourke is another example where um, they may capture somebody's attention. They may even come close, as Beto did with Cruz. And then their vote totals fall off, and they're just not viable candidates anymore. And I think uh, I personally believe that Beto O'Rourke should be finished in statewide politics. Now, perhaps he has a following in El Paso, and enough, you know, there'll be enough local pride in a native son that uh, he'll get elected to something. But uh, at most, it'd be a congressional seat. And as we know, Which he's being, done that,
0: right? Been there, done yeah, that.
1: Well being yeah, but being a minority member of Congress is uh pretty pretty thin gruel for people with ambitions.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well you saw it kind of wear tear that hat on Kevin Brady, of course, Republican House rules is you can't be the chairman of a of uh, a uh committee for more than a certain number of years. So he was kind of, this is not going to be fun at all, even if we did win. <laughs> you know, so I'm not going to be this anymore. So, yeah, it's very interesting. I always love talking to you. Final thoughts as we wrap up the segment.
1: I think the final thought is the economy seems to be recovering despite the Federal Reserve and and despite the fact that many people are not going back to work. And uh, both of these things are somewhat surprising to me. I expected a serious recession by now, and it hasn't happened yet. So uh, I guess 2023 will tell the tale.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It's going to be a very interesting uh, year as we get uh, closer and closer to the next presidential race, which, frankly, I am in no hurry to get to. Uh, Okay, Uh, that's Lee Kaplan. I'm Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business. Stay tuned for more after this.